Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially my favorite people, registered dietitians. I am so glad you're here today and stopping by to listen to my conversation. If you have been enjoying these conversations, just leave a little review on iTunes for me or reach out to me on my website at annelizabethardy.com and let me know what you think or anything that you would like to hear in the future. Today's conversation is another one from my amazing travels to the beautiful state of Utah. And I met with Jessie Hatch, who is a NICU registered dietitian, and she currently is the president of the Utah Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. I just want to say congrats to all the new grads out there. I'm very excited for you, whether you're starting your internship or maybe starting your first job, which is so exciting. There's a lot happening in your world right now, and that's kind of why I wrote my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, because I just felt like there were so many things that people did not tell me of what I should know, and so that's why I wanted to share some of that insight with you so far of what I've learned. You can easily check it out on my website, view a few pages on Amazon, and you can get it as well as a downloadable ebook. Today's episode, very much like all my other episodes, is sponsored by Jolly Time Healthy Pop Popcorn, where my guest and I get a snack smart and snack happy with Jolly Time Popcorn. If you want to learn more about this perfect snack, one that I think is delicious and tasty, please visit jollytime.com for more information. So when I was in Utah, I got to meet a lot of fantastic dietitians, but I was very excited to speak with the president of the Utah Academy of Nutrition Dietetics, Jessie. And she has such a beautiful and poetic dietetic journey so far. She found an interest in nutrition at a young age. Her family had a garden and they were always eating their fruits and vegetables. And when she went to college, she did take nutrition, kind of similar to me, and kind of fell in love with the class. And that's when she started navigating her way to her dietetics degree and had a lot of great people along the way to support her. She shed some light about getting a master's degree and how she's always open to opportunities and embracing being a lifelong learner, which I think is so important in our profession. She is currently working passionately with moms and babies, including neonatals, She is in the media a little bit and has navigated a lot of that as well, which is always a different frontier for us dietitians. And she has been spending the last year serving as president of the Utah Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. I hope that you enjoy my conversation. Never mind. Absolutely. TV is always, I do live TV almost all the time. I never do any tape segments. So when you were Mm -hmm. mentioning that about live TV, I'm always like, oh my gosh, because you don't know what to expect. Right. And then if you go on, they'll ask you whatever they want. Right. And then you're like, um, well, I have this display right here about, you know, right. about something. Or- well, and I think my first experience, like they said, show up at 12, your interview will be sometime between 1221 and 1224, or, you know. And so <laughs> I get there awful. and nobody comes to find me until like 1219. <laughs> And then they pull me into a room, and then all of a sudden, this gentleman like starts like threading a microphone. Up. But like, I didn't realize at the moment. I was like, "Hello, my name is Jesse, and who are you?" And then I realized, and so like the whole experience, I was like, "Well, like, this is interesting." Yes. Yeah. But so was it was it someone that contacted your work, and mm-hmm. then and then they're yeah, like, "So oh, I do. We have a Jessie program called Baby Your Baby, okay, um, which it's it's a state run program that kind of just." works to encourage healthy practices during pregnancy and through the first year. So about number of visits, how soon you should visit with your physician if you are pregnant and those types of things. So I do a few of those a year. It kind of depends, but... Well, yeah, I'm so, well, I know. we're going to learn fun. all about all the things you do, which is <laughs> well, exciting. <good. laughs> and I appreciate you taking time out of I'm your welcome. crazy busy day today. But so we've been talking about conversations and passion and all that stuff. But when was your aha moment when you wanted to be a registered dietitian? Well, I think so. My aha moment mostly came when I started 
school at Utah State, which is in the northern part of the state. And I had done a lot of college coursework during my high school years. And nutrition was just one of those classes that fit a prerequisite that I hadn't filled. And similar to your story, medical was always very interesting to me. And I just realized as I was sitting through that class, we had a teacher, her name was Professor Anderson. And she (laughs) just really... I, I could see myself in her, if that makes sense, that sure. she was someone who had passion for what she did, but it was just a great marriage of that medical side that was interesting and that food and nourishment side that's always been something that I've loved. You know, my family is the kind that grew up with a garden and just eating fruits and vegetables I thought was a very normal thing <laughs> until Every I meal. had college roommates and they were like, what are you eating? And so, you know, I think it was just one of those things that it was a a long time coming aha moment for me, but then, you know, it's something that I've just loved doing. So, so did you know about being a registered dietitian when you, I mean, you knew the nutrition part, but right. when did you start figuring out that new registered so dietitian So I think part? once I looked at the coursework of, okay, I love this class, now what on earth do I do with it? And my parents have always just been, you know, learn a skill. Like they've just encouraged to receive an education with a tangible outcome Mm -hmm. to the degree. And so I was like, well, if I become a nutrition expert, what does that mean? And so I actually met with the professor that I mentioned and she said, well, we have this great program. (laughs) Exactly. And so it was from that first semester. And then I just kind of jumped in full force of what can I do to make myself competitive to get in this field that I'm just very interested in learning and being a part of. Was it competitive at that time it for you? It is pretty competitive. Is it? Mm-hmm. Just, is it competitive all over the state of Utah? It is. It is. Yes, and it's only becoming more so, actually. So when I applied for the coordinated program at Utah State, and I was really interested in that because you finish your internship as you finish That's your bachelor's, great. so you're just done. And um, They take about 12 students a year, and the year I applied, there were about 50. I think in some years, there are wow. closer to 100 that apply now. So That's a lot. It's a lot, but... And th- the other schools in the state that have programs are similar. Well. That they're just competitive, but when you build a reputation and have a lot of people who are passionate about preventative health, I think... Utah has a lot of people that really do care about it. I've kind of gathered, there's a lot of people that, and it just even compared to Iowa, that that preventative health side is very amazing, even in your group today, because that is a big component of just variety. You guys have such a variety here. So you did your coordinated program. Mm-hmm. How is that? I've never met someone. Well, I've met someone that did a coordinated program, but we don't have a lot of those in our area anymore. Okay. So tell me more about a coordinated program. So it's it's super busy. They usually encourage you not to have a job. I'm kind of an overachiever, so I always had a little job on the side, <laughs> which looking back, I wonder if I really did need that. But it's just kind of how I was. So during your junior year of school, they try to get all of our food service hours completed. So we worked at the hospitals, long-term care facilities, and you'd go to class in the morning, you'd do your internship in the afternoons into wow. the evening, and then the next semesters, we move across the state. And so even though the school is located in the north end of Utah, they would relocate some of us to the Salt Lake City area, a little further south or a little Mm -hmm. further north. And then you do your senior year, if there was just class one day a week, we would meet in Salt Lake at a Utah State Extension office. Mm -hmm. And we'd have a medical nutrition therapy advanced class. And we had quizzes. So that semester is really independent. You know, you have 15 quizzes to pass that are brutal, you know, the the advanced MNT that just takes time and study. And then we would do internship hours for the remaining four days of the week. Wow. So it's intensive, but I think for me, it was a great way to learn just because you are learning about renal diseases and then you're able to see patients. Right. Instead of that, I learned about this maybe a year and a half ago and now I have to put it into practice. So it was a rewarding experience. It's busy and it's one that I think you can't have a lot of other commitments to be successful sure. at it, but so how long? So ultimately, do you go to school for that four-year undergrad? So, so it's a t- you get your prerequisites done in two. two, and then the program is two years. Oh, so that's perfect. So you're done in four, and then they also have a didactic program at Utah State. So then those individuals would apply for an internship. Sure. After. So did you do your internship 
well, you, that would so have been your internship. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it all have been through the same mm-hmm. thing. Yep. So what was the next steps after you did your... So I never program? said I was going to get a master's degree. I remember when we were doing our orientation for the coordinated program, and one thing they said is to take the GRE or an additional graduate exam because you want that opportunity. And I just remember kind of giggling to myself, of, why would I put myself through more school here? And... But I did it because they asked us to. And then when I was finishing my degree, I had an amazing professor who just had really instilled a lot of passion and a lot of desire for lifelong learning. And she encouraged me to pursue a master's degree. And so I just jumped in there with her. So So what was your master's degree? So it was on cardiovascular disease and using herbal and dietary supplements when you're on medications and just how they interact. And mostly it was just an education platform of self-learning, so like a DVD-based education versus sitting down one-on-one with a dietitian and is there a way we could provide quick education. Wow. And then you had another professor that it seems Mm -hmm. like that's kind of a trend for you. (laughs) Yes, it has been. It really has been. So my master's ended up being a really roller coaster ride this professor that I loved actually passed away halfway through my project and so for a while I actually took you know kind of as you were saying with your story of feeling just a little bit lost and so for a while I actually took a few steps back and just worked in in an a similar area, I, I worked with the, the extension program, sure. but just wasn't quite sure of, okay, is medical nutrition therapy really where I need to be, just and losing that direction. And I was very fortunate that I had a good friend that just said, well, here's somebody I think could help you, and was able to reach out to another professor, and she just helped push me through. And I think Did it's she? kind of that, looking back, and as you say that, it makes me think about, yes, just those professionals that have gone before that make you realize you know what this is worth your time and this is something that is going to take hard work but you'll love it Mm -hmm. and so it's worth it so well they obviously saw that in you too you know yes which is why they took that on and encouraged you to do so that's great and great so first job so my first job, well, I kind of did a jack-of-all-trades experience <laughs> while I was finishing my master's. Um, my first job was with the Utah State Extension Office, and they work with a lot of low-income individuals, and specifically their education program is tailored to people who are on SNAP benefits. Oh, sure. And mm-hmm. so we did a lot of education, in both in classroom format and one-on-one in people's homes. Um, but one of the more interesting parts of my job is there are actually a lot of refugees in the Salt Lake area. And so they asked me to take on the curriculum that was developed and tailor it to refugee populations. And it was a rewarding experience. I mostly worked with people from Uganda and other areas in Africa. Wow. And it was fun. So I, I mean, just even some stories. We were talking about canned foods and how you can purchase you know, canned beans or canned tuna. And the next class, I had a lady come crying with this large tub, and she passed it to me, and it was Crisco. And on the front of the can there was fried chicken. And so she thought she was purchasing chicken and opened it and had no idea what to do with it. And then, I mean, even things like using measuring cups and how to shop and how to cook. And, you know, we talked a lot about body image and they come from a culture where being obese is considered beautiful just because they grow up in areas where they're just malnourished and deprived for their whole lives. And so having a more curvy figure is a sign of affluence. And so, you know, it was very interesting that we would see people gaining a lot of weight over the few years that I worked with them and kind of having to step back and help them recognize healthy body without necessarily indoctrinating that ideal sure. body image. You sure. know, So it was a very interesting job, but I loved it. Did you feel like you were ready and prepared to take on something like that? I feel like it was one of those things where they just said, good luck and let us know if you need help. You know, it was, it wasn't something I ever saw myself doing. Um, but it just was kind of a, a job that I felt seemed like a good, a good initial step for me as a young dietitian, but also it was just very personalized. And, And I loved that part of it. I think that it helped me realize that you have to meet people where they're at and take time to learn that. And I think that, you know, people in our culture are generally very cordial and they smile and nod and look for the answers that you're (laughs) wanting. But I think because of that big cultural difference, we didn't necessarily have that luxury of 
the cultural norms. And so they would just say, well, I don't get that or, sure. or just that doesn't make sense. And I would have to say the same to them. And it was just, it was very fun. That had to be Different, very rewarding. And I'm sure, like you said, with the conversations that you have, you probably helped a lot of people learn valuable information for them to eat healthier. We would hope so. And I think part of it too is, you know, they would just go to their, you know, the African market Mm -hmm. that's here. And when you look at a bag of rice there, that's comparable to the bag of rice where you can buy a five pound bag for not very much, you know, their African rice is $30 for two pounds, you know, just because it's imported and unique. And so I would hope that in addition to helping them be able to navigate our food system, that we would help to give them healthy options and kind of recognize how they can use the tools that are available here to their benefit. Sure. Does that program continue? Do you know? It does. It does. Mm-hmm. That's yes. exciting. So it's fun. <laughs> I get calls every once in a while from people about Do you? it, but it's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. You paved the way on that one, huh? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> so it was actually, there was a, a professor that was doing some research. Well, she's a professor now, but it was a, a PhD project that kind of got started and then it was just someone saying hey can you do the footwork and I said I would be happy to so well that's I think that's very like that's an opportunity that probably a lot of dietitians don't realize that things like that are out there I would have had no idea so it's good to hear different opportunities that way Um, and that you learned so much for yourself as well do you apply any of that in your current practice yeah, I think what I'm doing now is very different than where I started. So I am now working as a NICU dietitian at a level three facility, and I love it there. But I think that one of the things that I really gleaned from that is just taking time to recognize where that person is at and what we can help them with. You know, with NICU babies, you know, there's that side. But a big part of it that I do, and I've actually developed it where I work, is an outpatient nutrition clinic. So after babies go home, if they're still at nutrition risk, they come back and see me. Oh, wow. And so I work a lot with parents. And just, it's very interesting because I think it's a population of high anxiety, but it's also, they want to do right by their children. And you meet a lot of people that have very strong opinions about what health looks like for their infant and their children and what they think is appropriate from the food sources that they provide to the method in which they feed them. And I think that the refugees taught me that I have to be courteous of what they believe Mm -hmm. and what they want to apply to their lives because they're going to do it anyways. And so I have to be cognizant of that to make sure that we're giving recommendations that help them live the healthiest lives they can in a construct that they're comfortable with. And kind of knowing, okay, when do you have to say, actually, sure. that's Crisco, and that's yeah. not a helpful There's thing, not right? Versus that. <laughs> exactly versus something that you know it may not be the ideal, but something we can live with because it's not necessarily harmful to your child. That's one of my mantras too: is meeting people where they're at. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, you lose them. Like you right. said, they shake, they shake their heads, they nod, they say, "See you later," and that wasn't, you know, right. you never have that. Um, connection that you make with them. Was there anything in between your extension job and your current job? I worked for Utah State for a time as a preceptor, and then I helped to get them ready for their continuing, um, their credentialing for their programming. And so that was kind of a a piggyback step that just was an interim position, but it was fun. It kind of taught me a little more about kind of the student model and you know I think university level education is something I'm very passionate about and it was just a different side to kind of see just from the education component but also how does it work to really have the nuts and bolts of a program that's meaningful well and I didn't even know I didn't even know something like that existed that's really is that it was that something that has been around for a long time so it was a position that they just wanted somebody to be able to bring paperwork together a little bit sure so usually the directors of programs are responsible for that okay and it just so happened that the program that I was working for had someone go on maternity leave and then somebody was retiring and they (laughs) thought well we need someone to do this job and so it was just kind of a a, a job that I saw and applied for, and mm-hmm. but it was a great experience. I did some curriculum development for their internship program and kind of stuck with them a little longer than I think any of us expected, but it was a great <laughs> way to just kind of get some diverse experience. And you said you really liked that whole education mm-hmm. university setting, so talk to me a little bit about that. Why is that something that you're drawn to? I think that 
knowledge is an important thing, and being educated and having a skill is a valuable thing in whatever format you learn it. Mm-hmm. You know that college isn't necessarily the the buy all for all sure. people. Sure. Um, but I think that's a big part of it, and it's something that my family just instilled in me. But then I've also seen, as we've kind of alluded to before people who have impacted my life so tremendously mm-hmm. through their ability to both teach me something that helps me to learn and grow and also developing personal and professional skills that can forward opportunities for yourself and for those around you. And so I think that it would be a place I would love to see myself eventually just yeah. because I think that there is such an opportunity to help people learn that they can do hard things and challenge them and, and make them think about things and what they believe and what they want their professional statement to be for their lives as working people and just making sure that they understand the impact that they have and that it's not just necessarily organic chemistry following the carbon, right? That it's, Oh my gosh, Right, no. that we suffer through those things a little to get there, but that there's an outcome that's worthwhile. Absolutely. Well, and that's exciting that. I always ask individuals where they see themselves in the future, and it does kind of, when you were talking about your professors, I was like, I bet you she would like to do that someday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I was actually had finished working for Extension, there was an opportunity that presented itself to be a professor, and I interviewed for it, and it was a very interesting interview that I felt like I nailed it. You know, I just felt that I had presented myself well and gave a presentation and they asked some questions and I just felt like I had done my utmost to present myself in a way that was meaningful. And one of the collegiate people that we interviewed with kind of pulled me aside afterwards and said, you have the skill, where's your experience? And I just remember, and it was a very, I felt like it was a very kind thing. Like he wasn't trying to say it in in a derogatory way, but it was something that I realized that to be an educator, you also have to have the footwork. And I think it changed some of my perspective as to where I see myself going. And, you know, NICU is something that I love, that I never expected to be so passionate about. You know, I've been there for four plus years and mm-hmm. just, you know, there's a big part of me that could see myself just being happy there for a very long time because of the impact that I'm able to have. But I also have learned that passion is important and your ability to work hard is important, but experience just takes time. Mm -hmm. And that you look back and see how many things you've learned and the skills that you have and just how I'm grateful for that individual for taking the time instead of saying, you know what, you're not the best fit right now, to give me an opportunity to realize these are the things that I need from you and go work on it. Sure. So you obviously didn't necessarily seek out NICU? Did it kind of find you? A little bit, yes. So, I mean, there's always multiple components that get you places. So I was living in Salt Lake City, and I had a good friend in Logan, so it's about two hours north of here, um, that we decided that we didn't like living far away from each other, and he was pretty great. And so, so it was kind of one of those choices of... I guess I'm going to be, after doing a long-term commuting relationship for a while, we decided that we needed to really decide if this was going to work or not. And so (laughs) I kind of just picked up roots and and moved that way, which was terrifying to me because, you know, what do you do? And so, NICU, it was a job opening in that area, and clinical is always something that was interesting, Mm -hmm. and I hadn't, you know, I'd had a great kind of interim education experience, kind of seeing that side of it. I'd worked in community for a number of years and thought, you know, let's try this out. And so it was a job that I interviewed for and for plus years later. And here we are. So I was talking to you earlier about how I think NICU dietitians are absolutely amazing because you guys know so much that I can't even wrap my head around. How is navigating learning and being part of all of that? It can be terrifying. So I (laughs) actually was replacing a dietitian who had been in the NICU for 10 plus years. And I remember we went to a meeting and I met with her the first day. We kind of went over calorie counts and basic functionality in the NICU and kind of nuts and bolts because, you know, I I didn't have experience. And we went to a meeting with all of the physicians that Mm -hmm. they have so she could introduce me to the group. And I just remember her saying, this is Jessie, she'll do a great job. And I thought, oh, that's very faithful (laughs) of you because we've just met. And I remember one of the physicians thanking the outgoing dietitian for her years of work and the things that she had taught her. And I just left that meeting with the feeling of, oh my heavens, you've got to get 
yourself in gear and get this done. And so, you know, for the first six months, I showed up to work early every day. I reviewed every single patient. I had my books and would go through. And then we'd get calls for random education opportunities in the community, and I would just show up. (laughs) And so I feel like it just, you know, trying to look for resources and taking books home and My husband at the time was finishing his graduate degree, and we would just sit and study together. And he said, you know, you have a job. You shouldn't have to be studying as much as you are. And I just said, well, I want to do well. And so I feel like the first six months were very intensive of just reviewing resources. And I just had to learn very quickly how to do my best to present options of what I felt was appropriate. But then I also just had to learn that it was okay for me to say, you know what, I'm not quite sure about that question, but I'll get right back to you. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was it was kind of hard to stomach initially just because I wanted to be the expert and I wanted them to trust me. And I worried that by doing so and saying, you know, I'm not sure that they wouldn't... They wouldn't check out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so I think for me, it took about six months before I stopped, for lack of a better word, panicking every day I got to work. <laughs> and not that I felt panicked, but, you know, just like having to prepare myself for an hour before rounds where and then I felt like it was once I was there for a year I I could stop coming in early and just you know (laughs) feeling obviously many things to still learn but and then I remember when I was there for about a year a physician asked me a question and I answered and he was like great and I thought oh I can do this. And then it was about a year later that I had a physician call me to say, what do you want to do? And I was like, hey, So, you know, and I think it's always been collaborative and I'm very lucky to work in a place where I think there's been a legacy of dietitians who know what they're doing, that they have experience and they want our profession to be well represented. And I think that in the facility I work with in general, we're very fortunate to have that kind of relationship. And so I think the physicians were a little more patient with me. But yep, it does take time. And it just is something that you have to be willing to put in the time to learn the skills. Because there's no specific you know, specialization or certification in NICU no, dietetics. No, there's not. So you do kind of have to learn on the job or from another individual. Right. Or go in early and stay up late. Exactly. And read and research. Yes. And, and I, I was going to ask about the doctors, if they were receptive to, you know, what you recommended and what your, you know, if your voice was heard. And that's great that they, mm-hmm. that's, that's the kind of stuff we need more of. And yes. I think like in NICU that that, they just are like, they want that from you. And I think one of the very fortunate parts is we know how much nutrition impacts across the lifespan. But if you go to a physician conference for NICU, there will be many, many presentations specific to nutrition. And the more we learn about outcomes for neonates, particularly premature neonates, we realize that their long-term IQ goes hand in hand with the protein load they receive and the nutrition that they receive. And so I think that we're very fortunate that it's a a subpopulation in which nutrition has just by kind of the dogma of the education that all professionals receive for the NICU includes nutrition. And I think it's just more integrated from the get-go, which is great. So we kind of benefit from that. But then, you know, there's just so much to be in charge of in the NICU as a physician. And I think in some ways they enjoy being able to delegate. Probably. (laughs) And saying, okay, what are we feeding this kid? Or how are we managing their TPN? And what are we doing to optimize that? And and it's we're really fortunate that, you know, there are some that won't necessarily agree with your opinion or Mm -hmm. there may be something medically that trumps what you're wanting to do nutritionally for that day. But... You know, you kind of have to learn how to be, it's something that I've learned of how to be assertive while still being respectful. Yes. And that's, I think that's very important because that's, it's hard to be assertive when you're working with doctors. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But you just have to, you just got to do it. Yes. And I think the thing that I've also learned is, you know, I may not have as quite as many years of schooling as they do, but I have an expertise and had opportunities to learn things that they may not. Mm-hmm. And so it's trusting in that profession that and the things that we've been taught and recognizing that you do have something to add to the table, even if it's not necessarily the same type of experience that they have. For sure. So how do you feel? Do you feel like being in the NICU is part of your passion? 
now that you kind of looked at like your school, you know, like you love the teaching part and you love the clinical part, but this is a very specialized clinical part. It so. is. And, you know, I think in general, pediatrics and kind of the mother baby side was always something interesting. Okay. You know, even when I interviewed for the coordinated program, they asked, what area do you see yourself in? And so it had always it's kind always of leaned that way. I think it's kind of that, that marriage of trying to find something you're passionate with, but yeah. also being open to opportunities that you know, may not necessarily always fit and making sure that you're still happy and it's a good spot for you. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like that's kind of been how my journey has been of just looking for opportunities that are meaningful to me and mm-hmm. that can give me great experience. And But NICU is something I love. And I think that part of what I didn't realize I would love so much is there's that high medical side of it. There's that high MNT that you really just get an opportunity to understand the body's physiology and the processes and how nutrition has a direct role in that outcome. But because I think there's the parental side of it, you kind of get that interpersonal connection, which is something that I love also. And so I think in an interesting way, it, it fits me more than I, I even expected initially, (laughs) but I think it, it's a, a unique place where you get that ICU side of it mm-hmm. while still getting the person behind it and being able to recognize and help make changes and long-term plans to make sure we can do the best for these little ones that we are taking care of. Well, you probably get pretty close to some families. It, yes. yes. It, it can be, you know, it can be an emotional part, both I, good and bad yes. is where we're at. Absolutely. And I like that you're, you're integrating that outpatient component, that follow-up. That's a I don't, we, we did not have that at our hospital. And I think that's a great component that you're doing that. It's been really fun. It's been a different, and you know, looking for ways to challenge yourself at your job and giving something that's meaningful. And it's been really fun. What, what's the longest one of your babies has been with you? Well, let's see. So usually with our outpatient clinic, I usually see them for the first year. Okay. And then if they are still needing advanced help, usually those babies have concurrent comorbidities. That sure. Usually if they're over a year and are still needing extra help, we refer them to the specialty children's hospital because often they have comorbidities sure. that they need managed as well. Um, but we have babies that I've kept and families that I keep in contact with since I've been there. So that's exciting. You know, I think one of them will turn four this next week. Oh my gosh. So, so almost as long fun. as you've been yes. there. <laughs> so it's been fun. So another aspect of your, outside of your job, you also volunteer for the Utah Academy nutrition and dietetics. So how did you get interested in working with this group? So as a student, um, we volunteered and I kind of helped with the annual meeting and thought that seems fun. They seem like a a fun group of people and I always kept my membership up. And then it was actually when I worked for that short-term position to help the internship program get their credentialing together that the the person I was working for, she was actually the past president and just mentioned, have you ever thought about this kind of an opportunity? And and I thought, well, that kind of sounds fun in a non-committal answer. And then we ended up, she kept asking, well, do you want to volunteer? Here are some opportunities. Here are some things that I think she you may like. And, yes. And so then it was like, well, let's just go for this. And I think it's it's been a great experience. You know, I think that you meet people that are different than you would necessarily interact with on the professional level, Mm -hmm. you know, that you get in your little clinical world and you find that, you know, even in NICU, and I don't know if this is this way for other specialties, but you find that it's a close group, you know, that you know people from the other end of the state or different areas and you meet people at conferences and you're like, well, I live in Baltimore, but let's chat, you know, I think, you know, that happens a lot, but I think... One of the most rewarding parts of being involved here is an opportunity to give back to your profession, but then meet people that you wouldn't otherwise interact with. Mm-hmm. How has your presidency been? Busy. Busy? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we've, it's been, I've been really fortunate with the people that I've worked with. One of the biggest things as president, so we kind of take turns over who's over the pillars, so education, marketing, Etc. So as the president-elect, you're over the education pillar in the annual meeting, and it's just you jump in feet first, and it's busy. And we do we are fortunate that in Utah we do have an annual meeting chair, so it's not the sole responsibility mm-hmm. of the president-elect, but, you know, it was kind of 
let's get this going, and it was rewarding. Um, this year I've been in charge of our advocacy pillar, and we've been very fortunate to have some very engaged members there, and we're looking in our state of how, if we want to pursue licensure, Currently, we're just credentialed, okay. which protects our RD, but it doesn't give any scope of practice. So as we're looking for order writing privileges and some of those advanced skill set, we may need licensure. Mm -hmm. And so that's been a really interesting part of what I've been helping with of kind of even getting feedback and doing town hall meetings with members, seeing their wow. opinions on it, because there are pros and cons to it because it's a legislative process. Sure. And so... We've done a lot of things to even just meet our legislators and, and not necessarily having a licensure bill on the table this year, but just saying, this is who we are. These are the skills that we bring, and we'd love for you to think of us as the nutrition ex experts. And so we've did been you able have to a, that. Did you know about advocacy and not all? No. really. No. <laughs> like, I think, you know, it was one of those things that my dad always would say, well, who's your representative? You know, he was yes. one of those kind. And so, you know, I grew up knowing who I was. Think about that. Yes. yes. But mm -hmm. I never thought that I would be involved with it. And mm -hmm. it's just been very rewarding and fun. That's great. But, and, you know, I think that our other pillars and we, we just get along well. I think we have a great group that, you know, and I think there's ebb and flow. And that's been an interesting thing, too, of just helping run a volunteer-based organization mm -hmm. of just trying to keep people involved but realizing that it can't be their number one priority because mm -hmm. it's not their job it's not necessarily sure. their primary focus but we want it to be important to you do you feel um doing this role do you feel it's very important for all dietitians to consider volunteering their time back to their state's academies i do well and i think part of it is you know there is that giving back and some of those feel-good words but really from a personal perspective it really just is some, a way to kind of round yourself out. I think that it gives you an opportunity to develop different kinds of skills that you maybe wouldn't necessarily have the opportunity for. And it's one of those ways that you can give a little bit of diversity to your time, too. Mm -hmm. you know. And I think part of it, too, you know, as the president, you know, I spend a few hours a week, realistically, which by the grand scheme of things isn't <laughs> that, that much. And, you know, there are some areas you know nominating committee that's like once a year I mean it's kind of intensive for a month but you know overall a few hours for a few it's weeks nothing. it's not that much sure. and I think that it's a way that you can really just put yourself out there and who knows the kind of things that may come from it too just the people you meet and hey I have this connection and how exactly because I don't know about you but I really feel like our profession is very much about connections about who you know and what you talk about Definitely. and they'll remember you later on in a conversation or right. it's it's amazing how we have this network of when you get involved and when you get to know each other mm -hmm. how they support you mm -hmm. yeah, yeah and even last year when I was helping with the annual meeting we got a speaker who was actually a NICU dietitian and had some interesting things to share and I was able to pick her up from the airport and we spent some time Aww. together and just even that you know just having this person who has worked in NICU for a long time and every once in a while I'll send her an say, email and say hey I have this weird situation what do you think we should do and you know just even things like that that you wouldn't expect which brings so much from. value to yes. you and your job too see that's that's, that's a fun. neat that's a neat aspect too and so thinking about you love your job currently and we talked about maybe you see yourself as a professor someday mm -hmm. is there any other thing or things that you want to try or do as a registered dietitian in the future? You know, I really feel like I'm one that I love to move forward, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That I love what I do, um, but after you're at a place for a while, you can get cozy, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I actually feel like I'm to the point in my current role that I'm a little bit cozy, that I can go and I can get my day done and I feel that I do a good job, um, but it doesn't necessarily push as I need to be. And so some of the things I'm looking forward to is we're actually looking at doing a research project with some of our outpatient clinic and deciding, oh, wow. you know, really, I kind of have ideas of how we manage nutrition when you go home, but there's not a lot of research to really validate that. So that's something that's interesting, but I, I feel like with whatever comes, it'll, we'll just look for things, you know, I mean, I, Collegiate education is interesting, but with our changing profession of 
looking towards a master's degree as yes. a baseline, you know. So that means, do I need a PhD in order to be competitive? <laughs> I know, you know? And so I know. That's something that I'm really considering. But are you? I was yeah, ask, are so, you thinking around down, going down yeah, that we'll road? we'll see. So my husband just finished his graduate degree, and, and then we've been talking just in jest of, do we really need another one? But <laughs> <laughs> What is your husband? So, so he's an electrical engineer. Okay. Yep, and so he he has a master's degree also. Okay, and um, more for him is he enjoys the management side, and um, but he loves the space industry. Kind of a tangent, but with lots of that, you have to have a PhD also. So Do we're you, trying to you decide. Both will be, you, you both will probably be in school. Who knows? You both, your dates are going to be studying together. We're, we're <laughs> writing done, papers. But the problem is, we're also very done with it. Like we like to go home and be like, should we just take the dog for a run? Yeah, that yeah, sounds that sounds great. nice. Yeah. Well, you do kind of so, get to that point when you when you're always studying and always yes. in school and then you get a break and you're like wow every time I know so <laughs> we will lovely. see but I think you know my goal is to always just look for ways to be fulfilled with what I do mm-hmm. and kind of as you mentioned in your talk earlier today of trying to make sure that what you're doing marries well with the goals that you have for your life. And I think that, you know, the more I work full time and see you spend so much of your time and energy and it can be exhausting at times, you know, that you, I really feel that sometimes my work gets more of my energy than other places like home. And so I think just making sure that you're taking opportunities that give you a a balance that you feel comfortable with in your life. Mm -hmm. So... And I think you realize that maybe a little bit as you get farther in your career, just a little bit, Mm -hmm. because at first you just want that job. Right. (laughs) And you're so focused on that career aspect, but then you're like, oh, well, now I have a husband and I have a dog and I have a family and I kind of like them too. And I want to spend time with them and all that stuff is so important. Well, I think, you know, there are times where, I mean, just like with school, that you need to give yourself a chance to get your feet wet. And there is that give and take and balance. But I think that to be a happy and well-rounded person, you need the diversity in your life. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, working professionally, being able to volunteer with things like the Utah affiliate that's here, you know, those things help bring that well-rounded part of yourself. And it just gives you a chance to not have to think about yourself quite so much too. Right. I I like that perspective. That's very good. Um, Thinking about, you know, when you think about your family, because you sound like you're very close to your family, do they ask you a lot of nutrition advice being a dietitian? Yeah, it's funny. Is so it? both of my grandmothers have strong opinions about nutrition. Do they? Um, so my dad's mom, um, she has diabetes, and she kind of will ask questions, but um, sometimes I feel like she takes my advice and sometimes not. My mom's mom, um, she's very into supplements and kind oh. of that type of thing, and so she'll say, oh, yes, my granddaughter Jessie's the dietitian, but then when she'll ask me about her, <laughs> she'll probably just pass out if I told her she knew I was telling you this but um, she'll just say you know how do you what do you think about this supplement and I'll just give her you know my frank opinion of you know let's just eat food and, and have a general supplement if you feel you need it but you know this little silver supplement is not going to change your whole health outcome and mm-hmm. and her response to me is always like well Dr. So-and-so said it's great and and I love you little granddaughter you know so I think that there's that part of it but um with my family I think mostly they are very proud of what I do sure. and they they ask questions and you know my parents I think as I, as I mentioned before you know we were kind of just taught kind of a whole food plate method yes. our whole lives well, like gardening and, and yep and vegetables. but we love treats you know I think well, that yeah, was of course. that was kind of what it was as we ate our veggies and we loved our treats and <laughs> and so I think that just with that it's kind of sharing in some of that with them but in general they're just supportive and great. Do you do you find yourself doing that with your own family, with you and your husband, with you know making having fruits and vegetables being a big part of your yes? Yeah, so own there's life? actually a little comic that I have hung in my kitchen that's a bear and a bunny, and the bunny says, "What would you like for dinner?" And the bear says, "I don't care." And then the next little pane, there's the bunny with a bag of carrots, and the bear says, "Darn it." 
And because he didn't want the carrots like he did. And so we laughed. So that's kind of a good good description of my husband and I, which is why it's hanging in my kitchen. I like that. Because he kind of grew up a meat and potatoes, let's go get a hamburger kind of thing. And he likes, when we got married, he liked carrots, asparagus, if it was cooked a certain way, potatoes. And I think that was about it. Like, they just didn't really Quite eat. The palate. I know, really. Um, <laughs> his repertoire, even currently, is macaroni and cheese, cereal, <laughs> quesadillas. So, but I think we're, it's a learning curve. And I think sure. that's actually been one of the more interesting areas of trying to really help someone realize that nutrition Absolutely. and being a foodie and loving that can all be together. And so I think with him, it's been the biggest learning curve. But we. We do better some days than others, oh, of but course. you know, of course, but it's busy. been fun. So <laughs> what's, uh, when you t- again, talking about advice, what's been some of the advice that you even give to like your parents that you follow up with, you know, what are some of those things that I know that there's challenges with kids and there's challenges with feeding kids. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like when you have that conversation with at home parents, mm-hmm. is there still special needs that way? Or are you talking, are you introducing foods? Like. Definitely. Yes. We have a lot of conversations about that. I mean, one of the big things is the recommendations for what foods to introduce when has changed so much. Oh my gosh. You know, just like when I was a child, it was like you stuck with rice cereal for six months and, you know, maybe gave a few other things and food was fun. But what we're really learning is no food is nutrition. And even from that four to six month range, providing iron rich, protein rich foods and a variety of nutrients is important. And so, you know, just kind of teaching parents about safe food options, giving protein foods, giving variety. And the more variety you give kids in the first few months, the less likely they're going to be picky, Mm -hmm. the less likely they'll have food allergies. And so we talk a lot about that. And we talk about what we kind of call table hygiene, which is kind of like Ellen Satter's talking of, you know, the division of responsibility kind of thing. So we talk a lot about appropriate feeding methods, you know, that if your baby is just kind of doing the baby bird opening their mouth and you're scraping the spoon off the top of their mouth, you're not developmentally helping them to learn how to eat. They need to close their lips over the spoon. And, you know, so we talk about a lot of things Hmm. like that. Um, I also find that you know, NICU graduate parents tend to be a little bit hypersensitive with due reason, of course. And so I think that they're just so sensitive about wanting to do everything right that sometimes they just push mm-hmm. a little more and so you know we talk a lot about having set meal times having set snack times as much as you can giving the child an opportunity and then letting them lead a lot of that and so that's really interesting it can be fun yeah that could be very fun good dialogue good yeah. conversations to have definitely after that staying in the NICU yep and I think that it's fun because it kind of transitions their lives to a little more normalcy sure after all the unnormalcy. Exactly, <laughs> yes. From just the stress and the, the medical and the sensitivity that they've developed of, you know, hopefully we're instilling nutrition habits that can help transition, hopefully, that good nutrition care they've received into lifelong nutrition. And it can be really important. To, and it's, you know, the funny stresses that you hear about sure. and things people say, but it's What's fun. a funny stress that you've heard? Oh, well, sometimes, you know, do we, do we have to have this type of high chair? <laughs> I've had those kind of questions before. Um, just you're, not even, a, you're not a high chair expert. No, oh, you know, things you like that. Um, <laughs> you know, just questions about spoons to use sure. or, you know, I mean, I've had, I had a set of twins that they only like to feed each other. And oh. is that weird? You know, I mean, just like the things people just think, okay, this is going on at my home. Is this normal? Is yes. this not? Or, you know, but there are also questions where we've had, you know, some sensitivities where they're like, okay, he won't eat anything this texture, or he won't do, you know, so sometimes those types of questions, instead of being funny, are actually things that we really need are to serious. help them with. Yeah. Well, you absolutely inspire me as a NICU dietitian. I'm going to say that Thank like 55 you. times because you do. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever end that direction again, but if I ever do, I know well, you can call, call me. <laughs> Well, I have some fun questions for you. Okay. Now that you've answered all these serious questions, what's your favorite food? Oh, my heavens. I am, I'm a foodie, so that's kind of a hard question. Um, I think if you were to ask my husband, um, he, would, 
he would tell you that it's pasta. Pasta. But I make a lot of pasta, but um, I really just love basil. That's kind of been basil. our new kick lately. Um, but in general, I I just love to eat food. So it's just, <laughs> give me something okay. new to try. Mushrooms. <laughs> but in general, whatever. We'll go for it. Do you have a least favorite food? Do you know, I used to never eat sauerkraut. That was a a no-go until I had a roommate who could make a very mean Reuben sandwich oh, and she converted so she me to that. Mind. So there we go. <laughs> I think in general. If you're a foodie, you probably yeah, like it's, a lot it's of fine. things. I had, we had a neighbor who was Japanese who would bring home like mini dried sardines. I will oh. never do that again. Oh. Um, mm. So some of those things, no. But otherwise, <laughs> pretty much everything. We'll try it out. Yes. <laughs> do you have a favorite drink? A favorite drink? I am a hot chocolate girl. Hot chocolate. So, but, you know, we live in a state that has winter for seven months. Sure. So, yes, give me a good hot chocolate. And, <laughs> and there's a little local diner that usually I don't need whipped cream in my hot chocolate unless you go to the local it's diner. Delicious. That you just can't, you can't pass it up. <laughs> Do you have a least favorite drink? A least favorite drink? I'm not a big Pepsi fan. Okay. That's our, <laughs> my husband, it's his favorite, which he it? doesn't mind it, but it's not my favorite because then he doesn't have to share. He doesn't, that's, that's yeah, kind so of he'll true. Take it. <laughs> Do you have a favorite smell? A favorite smell? Um, I love books. So like the old oh, book smell is a yeah. great one. Um, I would also say probably my grandma's house. Like oh, it's just, yeah. you know, that nostalgia that comes sure. with Sure. That's, it. that's yeah. a good smell. Mm -hmm. Do you have a least favorite smell? Um, do you know, I am the type of girl that gags every time I clean out the fridge. Like, <laughs> like old food smell, I can't handle. So we do very, very hard. I try very hard to minimize food waste at my home simply because I you can't handle clean cleaning out. out the fridge. And so it was a, a true sign of love when my husband would come and <laughs> take care of something that He's we forgot in the him. back. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's just hard to handle for me. What brings you joy in life? brings me joy oh I feel like lots of things bring me joy I feel like a lot of it is personal connection be it from you know my spouse to my family to those that I work with I think that helping people see the best in themselves and learning how to be more kind to yourself and that includes myself you know that I think it's as women as people we're we're just innately too hard on ourselves Absolutely. and I think that it's something that I've tried hard to learn and to instill in myself more of just finding joy and recognizing the good you can do and and being more kind with your imperfections that is a great way to end and thank you for taking time out of your day thank you it's been fun Jessie was so busy that day at the annual meeting and I was so glad she took time out just to chat with me and tell me about her story she has such an interesting story of how professors really helped her, you know, navigate that medical nutrition therapy side of her, which I think is very important that you do let people guide you a little bit along the way. So I think it's important to always keep that message that always be open, always let other people help guide you and show you the light to where they think they see you being as a registered dietitian. I think that's really important. I'm so glad Jolly Time Healthy Pop Popcorn is available in a variety of flavors because I never know what I'm going to feel like when I want a snack. But I always know that a nice warm bag of kettle corn is my favorite. It's the perfect sweet and salty. And I also get a whole serving of grains, which is fantastic. Jolly Time is family owned and located in my favorite state, which is Iowa. If you want to head over to jollytime.com, you can get some more information and also print off some great coupons. Please head on over to AnnaElizabethArdy.com where you can not only find my book, but you can also read my weekly wisdom. It's my way of sharing my adventures with life and food, family and friends, also a little music, and any other passion of mine which I'm kind of into at the moment. You can also find my previous podcast and related show notes and also links to things that we talked about in each conversation. Connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AnnaElizabethRD. Remember to be great, always find the joy in each day, and just start a conversation that truly matters. <laughs>